Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the prayer because I need it. That was awesome this morning, wasn't it? I think maybe the worship was really good because of the new uh, person we had on the worship team. Yeah. I think she was releasing all that. You know, Jacob and uh, uh, Sarah was just kind of going in, in her wake. <laughs> that was great, wasn't it? I love that. Well, the Lord's really good, and um, as we have been declaring this morning. So I'm going to read this to you, see if I can get through this in one piece. So help me, Lord. Uh, it says, and I'm going to read this little story out of Matthew 9, uh, verse 35 through 38, using the, the Marlon Magusu translation, better known officially as the New Living Translation. Since I've been reading through the Bible in the NLT, I thought I'd, I would just keep going. Uh, it says, Jesus, and actually, uh, I'm pretty enjoying that translation, the NLT. This really gives you some good twists. And it's pretty. It's very accurate, actually. It really uh, some of the words that they use are more accurate than even some of the other more traditional translations, like New King James, which I've used for years and I still love. But so I've been enjoying this. Uh, it says Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? And he healed every kind of disease and illness. That even gets more beautiful, right? Uh, when, when he saw the crowds, uh, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's a very powerful statement, isn't it? Uh, confused and helpless, kind of a picture of our culture today. It's, uh, it's so much confusion and helplessness that it seems we're facing in the world. But the Lord sees it, and that's what we're going to talk about. We, uh, like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Isn't that a really powerful statement? God really wants to bring some, some conviction into our hearts today. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Uh, ask him to send more workers into his fields. Wow, that's just a great prayer because that's a prayer Jesus gave us to, to pray. So, And we've kind of prayed that this morning already, and I, but we really have. But, so I want to talk to you just a little bit about this story. Uh, and so, so let me just begin by saying that God cannot be understood apart from understanding love because God, God is love. Well, so much of what we do in life is we, we try to understand what's happening with us and what's happening in the world. Uh, and many times we have these questions for God, you know, especially when things are not working the way we believe they should work uh, or the way the Bible seems to describe the way things go. And when they don't go that way, you know, we have these questions and we begin to try to understand you know, why, why, why is this happening to me or why is this not happening? Are you with me? Well, a couple of people are. Um, how many people, you know, we, we, we take the uh, Old Testament and we see a God who seems a little rough at times, right? You know, commanding that uh, certain things need to happen. Like, go wipe out this whole, you know, village of people. Wipe out this whole race of people. It seems kind of rough, right? 
you know, like, no wonder people are afraid of God. If he's doing that, because he may wipe me out, you know, because I don't think I'm much different from those people that he had them wipe out. You know, I kind of relate to those people. Uh, But then we come into the New Testament, we find this different God almost. Have you ever thought about that? It's like, God, are you bipolar or something? I mean, on the one hand, you're killing people, okay? On the other hand, you're dying yourself for people. I mean, which one are you, God? Have you ever had those thoughts? I mean, who, with a real God, please stand up. So we can just settle this thing once and for all. Will the God who answers prayer actually show up in my life instead of the God who doesn't answer prayers? Are you hearing me? This can get really personal for us if you get real truthful and get real with your life and get real with God. That's the way God wants us to be. Well, we do know that Jesus is God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so he is what God is. And what he does and how he acts and what the heart he reveals is how we are to know God. Now, that's really the truth of the Bible. Sure, it leaves many questions. There's many questions to be answered, which many people have tried to answer, much to their foolish folly to try to explain something, a person who is beyond finding out what Paul said. His ways are past finding out. He's impossible to understand. And men have tried to take and boil this God who is infinite down to this few little paragraphs that explain everything, explain his actions, explain his inactions, explain why he does what he does and doesn't do. And have tried to do that and it has led us down a wrong path many times. It's led us into despair instead of leading us into his heart. So... That was something that I think God wants us to grab hold of this morning. is the person of Jesus Christ. He said, he says when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His heart melted for them and he began to work and he invited us into that work. Because he said, pray, you know, for workers. Pray for people who would have this heart of God in them. And not only have it in them, but allow this heart to manifest in their life. You see, that's what God's ultimately wanting when he's asking for workers. He's not just asking for, for you know, day workers. You go in and do your job you, and, and then you go somewhere else tomorrow He's looking for people who carry what he carries and looks at people the way he looks at them and feels what he feels because he has, like, intense feelings. You mean that to me is intense. It's intense how he feels. Aren't you you tired of people saying that God is something he's not? Aren't you tired of Christians who become angry with God because God didn't act the way they thought he should because God didn't fit in their their little box, their little world? Aren't you sick of that kind of Christianity? Can we not just throw all that aside 
and let God reveal himself to us and reveal himself in us. Can't we just allow that in America and in the world? Can't we just allow God to come and talk to us and tell us what he wants us to know? I mean, we have to come to a place in our life when we surrender all that stuff and let go of it. Let go of what we want him to do. To let go of it. I didn't mean to get into that. I'm sorry. You, you, you know, it's just bad news for me. But I do feel <clears throat> that... Well, let me just say this. And this is what I have come to the conclusion in my life. God does not owe me nothing. He owes me nothing. But what I have found down hidden in my heart is this thing that says he does. And I could give him reasons but that he owes me something. That he was supposed to do something. I went through terrible times. Oh, God is a restorer. Oh, God is going to pay back. I believe in all that, but he doesn't owe it. And when I demand it from him, I have cut myself off from him. God does not owe nobody nothing because God has already given us the best that he has. He has given us the only thing that meant anything to himself. The Bible says he gave his only begotten. That word begotten means one of a kind, precious, without, with, you can't even measure the value of that. And God gave us that. And so you find, I find, in my heart, this thing that has said to God, that, well, you owe me this because I went through this. I got through this. Now you owe me. Oh, I may not... Consciously put those sentences together. But when I thought about it, that's what I was thinking down in my heart. And I had to say, to, I had to come to the place, God, you don't owe me nothing. God, you don't owe me to heal my eye. You don't owe that to me. You see, I don't want that kind of relationship with the Lord because it might bring me to a place where I start living based on what I do and what I don't do. I don't want that life of God. I want to live a life of God that I'm a son. And because I'm a son, I can walk in what God has for me because I carry his name and I'm a part of his family. I didn't earn that. He gave that to me. I do believe you know, the Bible teaches that, why am I on this? I believe the Bible teaches that God, you know, will pay back. You know, it's like an Old Testament thing. If somebody steals something, they're seven times paid back. You know what I'm talking about. And I think that's right. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of prophetic words about the season of that God was going to pay us back for our losses and our hurts and our pains and our sorrows. You know what I'm talking about? And so, but there's this thing that if we're not careful that we begin like, God, you owe that to me. I went through this tragedy. I got through it. I kept going on with you. Now, where's the payback, God? 
And see, I think that's where we get off. I think that's where we start walking away. We start walking into some kind of other spirit. And before long, we become disconnected with the spirit of God. And we start living out of the spirit of the man. And then we start, the spirit of the world starts coming in on us and starts talking to us. I was thinking about that this morning. Curse God and die. Isn't that what Job's wife said when he was going through what he went through? Curse God and die. See, a lot of Christians seem to get that notion. When, and I think a lot of it has to do, I think we have to release the dream, the healing, the miracle, the, fi- the finances, the, the boyfriend, the girl, the husband, the wife, the, fun- the money, all that. We have to say, you don't owe it. You don't owe it. You don't owe me that, Lord. You do not owe me that. I believe Third John 2, with all my heart, soul, mind, I pray it all the time. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. I believe God wants us to have that. I, I'm, I'm committed to that. But I tell you this, I'm not demanding that God, that God has to pay me that. I want God, my life to be built on a, a revelation of grace and a revelation of the goodness of God. Okay, instead of having God having to owe me and pay me back and get in some kind of ledger where we feel out I did this, therefore God has to do this. I don't want that in my life because you know what's going to happen? Sooner or later I'm going to do something bad that I shouldn't do and then what am I going to do with those those thoughts? Because then God's going to owe me something else that I don't want. I mean, that's where that kind of thing is going to lead you. It's going to lead you astray from God. That's what it's going to do to you. Anyways, well, thank you, Lord. Right. That just, this, this is craziness. So let me try to do this message. Are y'all good? Lord, help. So I feel like it's really the Lord because um, I had a dream about someone recently and it was a disappointment of God not meeting them with certain things they cried out for for a long time and God had not met them and they were falling into immorality because of not willing to wait. And so I feel like the Lord's speaking this morning to us and if if that's any of all of us in the room, I'm sure, you know, you start, you know, one time someone said something to me, they were in disappointment and they said to me, that the Lord was not satisfied in them anymore. And so they were seeking after other things. And, I, I've, you know, Byron's just really talking about the heart of man that every one of us go through. And that's not put anybody down because we all have areas where disappointment leads us down bad paths. So, amen, I just feel like it's really the Lord and just want to say anybody in the room where you feel like that's happening, I think the Lord's speaking and we can just feel like you need to pray over us. Okay. Okay, let me just pray because like Becky said, see, I wasn't really conscious of those thoughts. I wasn't like something I was thinking that God owes me or I was disappointing. God wasn't sad. I wasn't thinking about that. The Holy Spirit started talking to me, okay, and started telling me that, Byron, look, that's in you. That's in you. That doesn't need to be in you. That's hurting you. That's hurting you. That's cutting you off instead of bringing you in. So, 
lots of times we just we can't always understand what's in us. You can't, you, you just can't. It takes him. We need him. We need him. That's why David said that. Look, search my heart, O God, and see. See if there's any wicked. He wasn't saying for God to see. He was saying it so I can see, Lord, and so I can be free. So I'm just praying this. Father, I just ask you to search our hearts. Holy Spirit, it's mercy when you search us. It's mercy when you reveal something in us that's hindering us and hurting us and keeping us out of everything that you would have for us, Lord. So I just pray for those in this room who may be conscious of that or in those in this room who are totally unconscious. Uh, Lord, keep us back from presumptuous sin, Lord. Keep us back. Lord, deliver us from thoughts that are contrary to, to the thoughts of the kingdom of God. I just pray for everybody, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord. Here we are. Uh, we're like these people, confused. Lord, we're like these people. When Jesus looked at them, he saw confusion on them. He saw helplessness on them. And he wanted to do something. And, Lord, I feel like we're, we're a helpless people without you. And so we dearly say to you, help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. Deliver us from all this kind of stuff, Lord. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So <clears throat> let me just say this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which message, honey? Well, it is. It is. This is the same message, y'all, believe it or not. Just, let me just tell you. <laughs> There's a point to this. There's more of a point. Okay, you know, sometimes in life we go through stuff, right? Bad stuff, tragedy, hurt. Our faith is tried. We try to understand that. We try to figure that out. Um, in the midst of it, you can't figure it out, right? Has anybody ever figured that out? You know, haven't, haven't we been warned, don't create a theology in the midst of your suffering because that is a very dumb, stupid theology that will ruin you it really will so don't do it if you've created a theology for where you're, where you're at in life I would suggest you take that theology and take it to the nearest commode and flush it you'll be much better off okay okay then so you get through your season of trying you come out the other end right and you're out of that season and you're into a different time but you still haven't quite figured out why and what the heck happened to you? Why I went through that? What the, where was God? What, you know, all these questions. And so, in the, after the post, you know, post-traumatic, what is that saying? Post-traumatic syndrome. People get that who go to wars or have go through some trauma. We sort of get a spiritual version of it, okay? That where we're traumatized by what happened to us in a way. And we're trying to figure that out. Well, just then is not a good time. Okay, if you're at that place in your life and you've been trying to figure out what happened and why this collapsed and why didn't, that didn't work out, even though you're out of that, the best thing you can do is take that to the same commode and flush it down, you know, because you're going to need the Lord to speak to you. That's what you're going to need. You're going to need Him to talk to you and tell you. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy your soul. 
that's the only thing that's going to give you the answers you're looking for. Everything else is going to lead you. It may feel good for a moment, and you may think you have an answer, but it's a, end, it's, it's a dead end for you. So you're going to have to let that go and, and you know, put all that away in your life. And so I think that's one of the, re, one of the things that what Jesus does is when he, when he sees people, is part of what he does is he wants to give us a new thought, a new brain even. Uh, that's why we talk about a renewed mind, to, to get rid of this stuff. And we need to begin to see God differently than we've seen him before. And we need to begin to relate to God differently. So, so I do believe this about, the, about God. You, you, we can't understand him apart from love. So what, what I'm saying to you is all this other figuring out stuff is apart from love. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? All this other stuff is apart from love, and because it's apart from love, it's the wrong answer. And it's not going to give you the answers you're looking for. It's not going to give you the breakthrough. It's not going to give you the peace you're looking for. To understand God and thus understand what's going on in your life because you can't understand what's happening with yourself and what's happening around you with your family without, without some understanding from God. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. And so... Anyways, anyways, I just feel like that it's a time to, to, to let go of some of that thinking that we're carrying around with us. And I think that's the thing that's going to bring some resolution in people's lives. That's the thing that's going to bring some resolution of why your marriage failed. Or why you don't have a marriage. There's nothing more profound for us than having an experience with the love of God, right? A theology of God's love is beautiful. It's it's amazing. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a personal experience with God's love, then it's going to be abstract to you. And so what, you know, that's what, well, this is, this scripture I just read to you, that's God revealing love right there. He was revealing love to those people. And, and so it was a very concrete love. It was a very real love. A love that could be touched. A love that showed something. You know, your faith will not work without love. That's what the, the Bible says in Galatians. Faith, your faith will not. Faith works through love. So even to try to have faith, even to try to walk in faith and live in faith apart from love is is futile. It just, it will not work. It's impossible. That's what God created it. The Bible tells us hope doesn't work without love. Hope will not flow if love is not flowing. That's, That's Romans. And so see, two of the most basic things in our Christian walk that we desperately need, faith and hope, to live our lives and, and believe that we're gonna tomorrow's gonna be better, like we sing. If you don't have hope, and that's what that's saying, the bar that's a hope word. But without love, that doesn't work. It just none of it works. And so the foundation of everything that Jesus did was love. Everything he said, everything he had, he came to reveal this one beautiful thing that God is love. And that's how he wants us to know him. He wants to know him as love. And it's impossible not to know him any other way. I don't believe. Uh, 
here's the thing about love. Love, God's love always leads to compassion. Because this is what compassion is. Compassion is love in action. Okay? Compassion is love in action. And so you see that Jesus was moved. Now, think about it like this. This is what I love. I love to see, especially guys that are kind of tough on the exterior, I like to see them with, like, their babies. How they're just so, you know, a different person. They have a different tone of voice. You ever notice that? Don't you love that? Some big old tough, mean guy treats everybody, grunts at everybody, you know, just hard to get along. But they get their little baby in their arm, and all of a sudden they have a different tone of voice. They're acting so different. Because what are they doing? They're, they're showing love. They're expressing love because there's love in that, in that person's heart for a child, for their baby. I do that for my grandkids. I'm, I'm completely different than I would be with anybody in this room. Y'all would, I would get arrested rubbing their arms and kissing on them and telling them, like, you know, you're, you're Papa's baby. I love you. And rub them, just rub their head. I love all that. I, I love it because I, I love them, and I want them to know how much I love them. I want them to feel that Papa loves me, and I feel secure with Papa, you know, and I can talk to Papa, you know. Well, that's sort of what love is. But we see with God, God is love. And the Bible tells us just real basic things. For God so loved the world that he, what? He gave. He did something. His love was expressed. He just didn't say, well, I love the world. But he never did anything. Okay? Are y'all following this? So love is, is an action word. It's, 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 it has to come. There has to be an expression of love. Or it's really not God's love. It's not true. It, it really does. Are y'all following this? And so that's what compassion is. And so compassion, if you really look at it in the Bible, are y'all following this? Compassion is a catalyst for healing, miracles, and deliverances. It's a catalyst. It provokes God's heart. It moves God's heart. Love moves God's heart. That's what moves Him. Your prayers don't necessarily move Him, but love moves Him. We think we can get God to do something if we pray hard enough or do something hard enough. That's not it. That's not it. He wants us to pray, but really he wants us to pray, I believe, just to get a conversation going. Just to get some talk going between us. And in the meantime, there's some love can get exchanged and something can happen. Uh, Let me read Matthew 14 and 14. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And what did he say? He had compassion on them. And did what? Heal their sick. Every time the word compassion shows up in a story about Jesus, something happened. It didn't say, oh, I had compassion. These people are poor people. Poor people. They're confused and helpless. Too bad. Those Pharisees are messing people up. I'll tell you what, somebody needs to do something about it. No, he did something. He healed them. He delivered them. And he asked us to do something. Anyways... That word compassion, well, first let me say the word compassion, it's not sympathy or is it empathy? And those are two important words. Hang on with them a minute. But this is interesting about the word compassion in the New Testament. It, was, it did not exist until the New Testament was written, the word that used, when, because there was no, they had never seen 
in the history of man, what Jesus did when he healed people, nobody had ever seen that. So they made up a word to try to describe what they were seeing. And that's where compassion came from. It came from when Jesus was moved from his insides when he saw hurting people. Isn't that powerful? So that's what compassion is. It's something that moves from the inside of us, deep inside of us. Okay? That's what compassion is. It's not something we try to do. It's something that takes over. It's something that moves you and provokes you to do something. You're not just going to sit back when real compassion flows inside of you. You're not just going to sit back. You're not just going to hold back. Something's going to happen. Now, um, I had this dream I wanted to tell you about just a little bit. It was about, about the compassion of the Lord. This is, I had this dream a long time ago. It's, it's one of those dreams that keeps talking to me, you know, like it won't go away. But in this dream, I was experiencing the compassion of Jesus, okay? And let me tell you, it was overwhelming to me. I could not, I could not look at a person in their eyes without being overcome. I would, I would t- literally turn my face from people. Because I could not bear what I was feeling. I, couldn't, I, I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want to be around people because I was so moved for whatever plight they were in. I was moved by it. I was going to do, something was going to happen. There was going to be some actions. And it, at first it was fun in the dream. It was really fun because God was doing all these amazing things. He was healing people. He was delivering. All that was beautiful and fun. But one day I woke up and I was exhausted physically. I was just whipped. I was emotionally beat because I had prayed for so many people and it was wonderful. And I opened up my window out of my house and there were people in my yard. And I immediately shut it because I realized I can't, if I go out there, I can't talk to them. Because I'm just so wore out. I'm so tired. I'm so beat down because of this compassion. It's going gonna, it's gonna to compel me. It's going to compel me to pray for them. That's, that, was, was, that was a big part of the dream. So that's what I felt in the dream was something rising up out of my depth. And it was compassion, it was love, it was power, and it was power. There was power in this. Okay? This is where I want y'all to hear this. There's power in God's compassion. There's power in His love. When His compassion gets released, something supernatural is going to happen. Okay? Something supernatural is going to happen. I was really experiencing the kingdom of God in that dream like I've never experienced. It was so, so amazing. But I did want to tell you this about sympathy and empathy. Okay? Those two are very important words. I actually have not really had much value for either, either one of those words for years, to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, you take sympathy for granted because you can go to the grocery store and you can go to find your sympathy card, right? Where somebody suffered, you're going to send them a card. They call them sympathy cards. You're having sympathy on person. And there's this other word that came up, empathy. So those were not big words. And I would hear people say them, and I would kind of like, well, that's not really in the Bible. You know, that's not really God's sympathy and empathy. We need something more than that. That's sort of my attitude. Well, 
that's not really a good attitude, actually. Actually, any sympathy and any empathy comes from God. That's why humans have sympathy. That's why humans have empathy. It's because God is very sympathetic, and God is very empathetic. Let, let me just say this. Sympathy and empathy open the door for God's compassion to work. They really do. Now, let me just, just in case you don't understand, the word sympathy and empathy both come from a Greek word, which means suffering and feeling. Suffering and feeling. That's the root of those words, sympathy and empathy. Uh, here's a good definition of sympathy. Feelings of sorrow for someone else who is experiencing misfortune. Feelings of sorrow for someone who's experiencing misfortune. That's a good thing. Uh, you feel bad for them, but you don't know what it's like to be walking in their shoes. That's sympathy. But you do feel bad for them. But you don't really connect on that level where you could, like, get it. Okay? But that's where empathy comes in. Empathy is the ability to understand and to share the feelings of another person. To understand and share the feelings of another person. Which means you're able to, like, walk in their shoes. Now, that's really, really powerful because God is very empathetic. Okay? And see, here's how I came into this understanding about empathy. Now, Becky's going to tell y'all, like she told me a couple weeks ago, you know that scripture you told them the Lord gave you? Actually, he gave it to me, and I told you. I said, Becky, you did not. I I remember when the Lord gave me that scripture. You didn't give me that scripture, but she was non-convinced. And so she's going to be totally non-convinced here on this empathy thing. But I am going to tell you this. I'm going to give her credit. She started talking to me about empathy. Okay? And at first, I didn't want to like, "Mm, I don't want to hear that about no empathy talk. But I did start listening to her. But really what happened was, is, is where I really feel like we, Becky and I, really started coming into a, a, a understanding about this word empathy was when we went through all this tragedy in the church. About, and there were so many questions that just couldn't be answered. They just could not be answered. It's the worst thing in the world to try to give people hope and, and comfort people but not have an answer for them. Do you know what I'm talking to you about? It's it's like the worst thing to feel like you, you you're going to try to comfort somebody and walk help walk through somebody's through some tragic event in their life, but you in your heart heart you have no answers for them. You know at the end of the day there's nothing you can say or nothing you can do to help them. You're you you feel helpless. You feel worthless. You know what I'm talking about. It's the worst feeling in the world. I have been faced with that over and over and over in my life and wishing, like, why did I ever get into this business? Because I don't have the answers for people, Lord. I can't help them at the worst moment when they desperately need the most help in their life. I'm helpless. And so I begin to learn, we begin to learn about empathy through all of that, is that what, what empathy is, is, is when people are in tragedy, they would maybe would like to have the answers, but the truth is they just want somebody that can step into their world with them and be there and not even try to give them answers and not try to fix them 
and not try to tell them why they're so bad or why God did that to you because you didn't tithe enough. You hear what I'm telling you? They're just looking for somebody who can step into their world with them and show them a little love and a little concern that you're there, even though you may not be able to answer their questions and help them, but just your presence there. I always am amazed in the book of Job when Job fell into his mess and his buddies came and they looked at him and they wept. They wept when they saw him. He was so hideous looking. And they sat there for days and didn't say a word. That's a powerful moment. And guess when things started going to, to the proverbial hell in a handbasket? When they started talking. <laughs> and trying to explain to Job, this is why God has done this to you, bro. Because you have done this. Therefore, you know what I'm saying? This gets back to Owen God. Y'all following this? No, they had a moment of empathy where they were just there for their friend. They were just there being there with their friend, letting their friend feel their comfort and their love, even though they couldn't fix their friend. And so we really started getting into this, this empathy thing. Here's a couple. This is a great verse about empathy. It's rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's Romans 12, 15. So it's very biblical. I wanted to read this, 1 Peter 3, 8. Are you okay? Uh, this is about sympathy. You know, don't, let's don't poo-poo sympathy because here it is in the Bible. Clearly a statement from Peter, 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with one another. Let me know with each other. Let me tell you something. Other versions say show compassion or show comfort. The word means sympathize. That's what it means. It means show sympathy. When your friend, even if you can't walk, don't run away. Even if you feel like you can't enter into that empathy realm, sympathy is a good first step. You never know. You never know what the Holy Spirit might do. I'm telling you, you may be shocked when you step into that sympathy towards them that all of a sudden some empathy, all of a sudden you're connecting on a level you can't and you never know what may happen next. You you just don't know. You've got to give him a chance got to give him a chance. And so he says, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. That's an empathy word there, a statement. Because usually if your brother, my brother is in trouble, if he called me, guess what I would do? I'd be moved to action. I would jump towards him to do something. That's empathy. I would be there for him. I would understand for him. I would love him. I would care about him. Right? That's what he's saying. Are y'all, are y'all following this? That's an empathy. Then he gives us amazing keys here. Be tender-hearted. And keep a humble attitude. Be tender-hearted. Tender-hearted towards each other. Be humble towards each other. In other words, you're not the answer man. What I hated about going into tragic situations and trying to comfort people is I didn't have the answer. When I really should have rejoiced in it. I don't need to be the answer man. I'm not the answer. And I don't even have the answer. But I know who does. Okay? I need to go in there tender-hearted and humble. And just be and set in a humble place with people where they're being humbled and broken down. I need to go set with them in that place. And when you begin to do that, God, the Holy Spirit, can begin to work. Are y'all following this? This is really powerful. Can I read just one more little story here? I'm going to get through and get to the end. Uh, Luke 7, 11 through 15. I love this story. 
I don't know if this is going to add anything to this message other than I love this story. Soon after Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him, a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. Woo! And a large crowd from the village was with her when the Lord saw her. Listen, this is why I want you to... His heart overflowed with compassion. His heart overflowed. He saw her. He felt her pain. He had empathy. He felt what she was going. He felt how she was left with nobody and nothing. He felt it. He felt it. And then all of a sudden that opened the floodgates inside of him of that compassion. And guess what he did? Right? He did something because compassion was moving and compassion was a force so powerful that it raised a man from the dead. Isn't that a powerful statement there? Isn't that beautiful? So what I'm trying to tell you is, listen to this. Sympathy, empathy can lead to compassion of God working in your life. It can open the door for the compassion. It can open your heart for that compassion that's down in our spirits because Christ is in our spirit, that, that it can be released and begin to flow through us. Isn't that beautiful? Are y'all good? The Bible says this, that God is the God of all comfort. It says that, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Listen to this, Psalm 103, verse 14. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. That's what God says about that's what the psalmist. Listen, oh, I love this Psalm 56, verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. Wow. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. In your bottle. You have recorded each one. In your, God has a bottle of your tears. He's kept them. He's kept our tears. And he has a book. He's written down all your pain, all your sorrows. He's written it down. And he's look at, he'll go and look at that. I can see God up in heaven looking at your book of your disappointments, of your hurts, of your tragedies, and reading over it and looking at your tears and being moved and feeling like I want to do something with this person. Of course, this is what Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. That's empathy. He understands them. For he faced all the same testings that we do. He faced them. Yet, he did not sin. Thank God, right? So let us come, and it gives us an answer. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we begin to see God like that. When we begin to see that he's empathetic, when we begin to see he sympathizes with us, when we begin to see his powerful compassion, he asks us because he says, I walked through this. I felt the pain of loss. I felt the hurt. I felt the disappointment. I felt all that you feel, all that you've gone through. I have felt it. I have experienced it. I know that. He can step into our pain and live in our pain with us better than anybody. Is that true? Okay. I'm come fixing to come to the end here, okay? Jesus said that. This is back to the original thing about the harvest. Okay, he said the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
That's what he said. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So let me just say this. I've had a lot of questions about what we've gone through as a church in our tragic, our worst times, and what I personally have gone through. I've had a lot of questions with, with God. And like I said, I don't think you, you, I've come to the conclusion is I can't understand any of that outside of God's love. And by knowing his love, I can rest when I can't understand it. You hear what I'm saying to you? I can come to a place of rest when I don't understand why God hasn't healed someone or healed me or saved somebody's life, let somebody die, all that. I can come to a place of rest in his love. Outside of his love, I can't. I can't come. I can't get there. It just, it, it just doesn't work. And I've always uh, heard this, and I believe this is biblical, uh, you know, when you go through a trial, it's going to make you either bitter or better. Have you heard that before? Bitter, it's going to make you bitter or better. Okay, and I've thought about that a lot because, well, that's what the Bible is, indicates. It doesn't say it like that, but it does indicate to us, you know, your faith will be refined. It'll come forth like pure gold. That's better, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of what that statement explains. And so I've thought about a lot like, God, I have been, th- I could just recount all these crazy things we've, got, we've walked through. And did it make me better? I mean, really, or did it make me bitter? Okay? And I thought about, well, I could say in lots of ways, it has made me better. Okay? But the question, here's the question I've got for me and for you. Was all of this that you've been through, all of your hurts, all of your pain, has it made you better? But is there something more to this? Do I want my life just to be about me being made better? What kind of life is that? Where God, I go through all this, oh, you're a much better person than you were before because you've been refined and a lot of that you've been smoothed out where you had edges on you. Well, that's great, and I want that. I embrace that. I think that's necessary, you know. But what is that it? Is that it? It can't be it. It cannot be it. It can't be it. Because Jesus said this. He's looking for workers. And what he would love to have in these workers, okay, is this compassionate heart. Because that's what he was. He was saying, this is how I work. I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic. I show sympathy. I'm tenderhearted. I'm humble towards people. I don't throw my answers out to everybody just like and, and, and ask them why they can't get it and what's wrong with you. You know? And that's why he was saying, I, I believe about this, about this praying that the Lord of hearts for workers is a lot of what we go through in life instead of drawing away from God and being disappointed with God, 
we have an opportunity for God to do something amazing in us in terms of who we are and, and becoming people with you know, the fruit of the Spirit and, pe- and people who have more gifting. But I think there's this other thing. It's this, this thing about His love, being people where God's love can flow through us. I mean truly flow through us like it did through Jesus. I, to me, a lot of what I see, and I've wondered about that John 14, 12, right? Everybody wonders. We've tried a million ways to explain. John 14, 12, greater works will you do? You know, who hadn't tried to understand that? Well, where are those greater works, Lord? Could it be those greater works have something to do with his compassion? That maybe we haven't tapped into that yet. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. Are y'all, are y'all following me? You know. You know. So I think, well, I think, I don't think God owes me anything. That's, that's my conclusion. I went through my thing, my hurt, believing that, oh, now that I went through all this, then that has positioned me for something. And the truth is, it's the thing it should have, the thing it should do, it should cause our hearts to become tenderized. And it should, we should be humble. Maybe, maybe the thing that we could ask God to do for us is like, Lord, you know what? I really want to move in that compassion of Christ. Help me to get that. Help me get to that place. Help me that to be the, a greater goal for my life than it just being about me becoming a better person and me doing better at what I do, but me to tap into his compassion and begin to move in his compassion like he moved in it. Now, I'm just asking, saying that, okay, because that's a, that's a, a bigger step than, than I think the church has made with all this stuff. So anyways, so first of all, let's do this. Are y'all ready for this? It's 12 o'clock. We're going to do this for a couple minutes, all right? One, who in this room, what Becky has talked about, you got disappointed with God, you don't feel like God's satisfying you. Is there anybody in this room they're at in that place right now. If you would stand up, please just stand up. Don't be ashamed to stand up. Let's get truthful with God. Then you can have your uh, uh, what do we call them? Your vulnerability hangover later this afternoon. I can tell you, I, I can help you with vulnerability hangovers. Oh Lord, I have them all the time. I hate vulnerability hangovers. Like, oh, why did I do that, Lord? I feel stupid. What hole can I dig? What hole can I dig? hide from myself. I thank you for standing up. That's really good because you're being truthful and the truth sets you free. Let's pray for those that are standing up right now. Let's pray that the Lord would just do what only Jesus can do. You've come to that place. Now be truthful. This is a good moment for you. I think. Holy Spirit, you're you're the... Put your hands on them if there's somebody around you. Just let them be loved. Let them be loved. That's what we want to do. I want to say to the people standing up, God is not disappointed in you. And God is not dissatisfied with you. You may be dissatisfied with Him. You may come to that point, but He is not dissatisfied with you. He loves you dearly. And He's a Father. And the 
Father wants to speak to you as a father this morning. And he wants to like that father in Luke 15 who ran to his son, who ran to him and didn't want to hear about, I'm sorry, I repeat, I didn't do right. He was just like, he just wanted to embrace him and love him. That's what the father wants you to know today. I'm not calling you a prodigal. I'm just saying that's a beautiful picture of, of our God when we come to these moments in our life. So, Lord, just ask you, Father, just release that, that blessing of the Father right now on those who are standing. They found themselves in a place where they've been disappointed, Lord, or whatever, and they feel dissatisfied. Father, I'm asking you, like the Father in Luke 15 who ran to his son, who embarrassed himself through, in front of everybody and did what a father shouldn't do. He laid his dignity aside and ran to a boy who smelled like pig manure and embraced him and loved him and restored him. And I'm asking you, Lord, today to release that. And these people, Lord, who have these questions, they got questions, Lord. I pray today they would let them go. I pray, Lord, somehow by the grace of God that they could lay down their questions and their understanding long enough, Lord, for your love to come into their heart, Lord, that your heart, their hearts will be flooded with love today, not flooded with disappointment and dissatisfaction. I'm asking you to do that, Lord. Just ask you, Father, because you really are a great God. You're really a good God. Woo, Lord. Touch, Lord. The Lord gave me a verse yesterday morning. He woke me up. My parents just celebrated 45 years. And the Lord gave me that verse, the love is kind. And I was like, I've heard that verse so many times, Lord. Why are you giving that to me? And I feel like it's for the people standing up right now. And he gave it to me in the the New Living Translation. And it just wrecked me. And, And then I started to replace the word love with God, my Father. I just want to read it for you right now. Love is patient. It is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He's none of those things. Love does not demand its own way. God could demand his own way. He chooses not to. His love does not demand. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it's been wronged. The Lord keeps no record. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. That's the Lord's heart that the truth will set you free. 
This is my favorite. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. And that is the Father. If you could sum up the Father, that is it. And I remember a time eight years ago when the Lord told me about my situation that I needed a major breakthrough in. The Lord said, let it be. Just let be. Let that situation be. And it was the, the biggest breakthrough of my life. And that's how I looked at the Lord from then on. I'm going to let God be. Capital B, capital E. Just let him be. Let him be God. Let him be God in your situation. Let him be. He's big enough. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need why. What should I do? Where should I go? What should I say? What should I pray? He's big enough. He's Let him be. Let him be God. He's big enough. He covers all of those things. He covers every circumstance. He covers every helpless, hopeless feeling that you have. He's got it. So, Lord, right now, for those people that stood up, Lord, I pray that they can get to a place where they can say, God, I'm just going to let you be. I'm going to let you be as big and as mighty and move whenever, wherever, whatever time frame you have for my life. And I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, that's it. It was when I just let you be. You are so good, Father. You're so mighty. You're so big. or bigger than my circumstance. Lord, I just pray for those people that that hope is on the horizon for them. It's happening. Right now, you standing up, that, that was it. That was that hope. That was that dam being released. Just You just need to look forward. Just keep looking forward. Don't look back. Look forward. Just every circumstance, I'm going to take that little bit and say, I'm thankful, Lord. Every little thing, every little movement of your spirit in my life, me standing up, I'm thankful for that. Touch them, Lord. Let them never look back. Let them look forward, Lord. That's beautiful. Now for the rest of us. For about being a worker. If you feel like you want to go in your Christian life something beyond yourself. Something beyond your calling. Something beyond your vision. Beyond your dream. Something outside of you. Where you're saying, I want to be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer. I want to be one of those workers. I want to be a worker that carries sympathy and empathy. And most importantly, I want to be a worker who carries compassion in my heart. And I want to be that person who would release that to others. If that's what, if you feel that, I would like for you to stand up. And just this. Give your yes to God and say say to Him, Yes, I want that, Lord. 
I don't know what it's going to take, Lord, to get that. I don't know if I can go through another tragic moment, Lord, but I want your compassion in my heart, Lord. I want you to move with compassion in me. And I ask you today, Lord, to release the compassion of Jesus Christ into us. I know it's in us. I know it's buried down in our deep spirits. I'm asking you, Lord, that somehow within us there could be a breaking, like a like a, a water spout busting up from the earth and, and fresh water emerging into the world and into people that somehow, Lord, you would do that. Lord, I don't want all that I've went through to be in vain. I don't want all my sorrows and disappointments to be in vain. So I'm asking you, Make me part of the answer to the prayer that you said for us to pray. It's for workers. Help me to become a worker like Christ, a worker with Christ. Not for, but with. I'm not working for God. I'm not working to gain something, to be something. I'm working with Him. I'm walking with Him. I'm walking into the fields of the world with Him. That's what I want. I'm asking you, Lord, to put it in us, to do it in us. When you go in a farm, there's people working, doing all different kinds of stuff. One person's plowing, another person's planting, another person's irrigating. Whatever it is that God has given you, your gifting, your calling, all these things will come into focus. Lord, I just ask you to do that today in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just open up our hands. I feel a real weight falling right now. Just feel this weight on my hands. And I feel like heaven's just pouring that out because it's really his prayer. He's the one that said pray. But he thrusts forth harvesters into this field. So this is not something we're asking him for that's not his prayer so it's just coming right now lord we thank you for that we thank you for that anointing we thank you for that compassion lord there are people in this room that are already working and in that field already lord we're just saying for more just release more lord god we're just saying lord and we're asking you lord for supernatural doors to open lord god in jesus name Lord, that wherever we go, wherever we walk, Lord, that this compassion, Lord, will just be overtaking us wherever we go, that it is not just for inside the walls of the church. Lord, we're just saying right now, hear these hands. Just let that anointing fall on them. There's this weight. I feel weight on my hands. Anybody that's feeling that weight, just raise your hand. That's just the Lord. It's just a weight coming down. He's... He's answering. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited to see. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Woo, it's good. <laughs> really good. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Can we just, that song, your great God, y'all were singing. Can we take those same hands 
and end with them lifted to the Lord for His heart of compassion. How He saw us helpless and confused. How He saw us when we are in our loss. Let's just lift our hands to Him and just worship Him for a moment. He's a For I will not die. For I will not die. I will live. And I will tell of the works of the Lord. And sing of His wonders. I will not die. I will live. I will not die. Long as I shall live, as long as. 